I am a, uh, as, as many of you know, a, a rather huge fan of music and will um, get involved in some debates online or, or, or just watch different things online about, you know, what's the best album of so-and-so? You know, what's the best Beatles album of all time? I mean, nobody really picks the early ones, so is it Rubber Soul when they finally broke out of the confines of, of, uh, of sort of the, the song form that they had been playing and they really took over the studio? Was it, was it Revolver when they really became more revolutionary? Was it Sgt. Pepper's? Was it the White Album, which is kind of an amalgamation of all kinds of different disparate styles? Um, was it Abbey Road? Um, nobody picks Yellow Submarine. <laughs> and what if Sgt. Pepper's had uh, Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane on it? Oh my gosh, that would be, I mean, but it's still perhaps the greatest album of all time. Or maybe you're a lover of Neil Diamond music. Do you love the early period or the 70s period? Yeah. The 80s? No. But that early period, you know, the 60s? Or if you're a big fan of Led Zeppelin, as I am, I mean, how many vinyl copies of Led Zeppelin IV do you need? Five. <laughs> are they all different? They are, and I won't go into that. But is it Led Zeppelin II? Is it Led Zeppelin IV? Is it physical graffiti? Which one's the best? And people argue, and they get into these huge arguments. It's obviously physical graffiti, but they get into these large arguments about opinions, and we do, you know, we do it with music, we do it with all kinds of things. We get into arguments about opinions, which is just interesting to consider because our opinions are our opinions, they're not the truth. No, Father, my opinions are the truth. <laughs> well, no, by definition, your opinion is not the truth, it's your opinion. That's what an opinion is, and it's okay. I mean, it's totally valid. And sometimes it's a, it's a good opinion, maybe sometimes not so good, like all of us. And our opinions are important. They're really important, and it's important to share those. But unfortunately, sometimes we leverage our opinions as though other people have to agree with us. No, no, you have to agree with me. It's Sergeant Peppers, by the way. But you have to agree with me, or else you're wrong. Well, no, no. That's, that's really not, and, and what happens is it creates unnecessary conflict, and we, we see this even like on a larger scale, even apart from music. Um, we'll see it in, in, you know, especially in politics, right? I mean, the divisions that can, that can result from that. And people are always trying to find truth where it's really sometimes hard to find truth. You know, sometimes prudential judgment is about all you can get. Truth? It's harder in a lot of areas. But we end up arguing about the opinions, and then the opinions divide us. Okay, so you'll go to the gospel. And the Pharisees believed, or they practiced, as though if they did all of these external things rigorously and perfectly, that it made them better than others. And so they're pointing out to Jesus, well, what's the deal with your disciples not washing their hands? Jesus is like, come on. This is not, you, it's, which one of the ten is that? Ten commandments. Which one of the ten is that? None. 
It's like a made-up human tradition thing. And you're making it to be divine revelation. You're making sort of, as it were, human opinion to be God's law. And then you're following the human opinion as though that's going to justify you and save you by doing all of these human traditions. It's not going to happen. You're practicing these externals, but your heart is far from me, says the Lord. God wants our hearts. And so if you move that into Catholicism, you know, you look at, you know, why do we practice what we practice? And some of the things that we practice are not, it's not divine law. Let's, uh, let's take Lent, for instance. You know, what is the, the purpose of Lent is not to get to the end of Lent and say, well, I was able to not eat meat on Friday, and I kept my Lenten discipline. You know, I gave up chocolate. It was a bad idea, by the way. It never works. But, you know, I gave up this or I gave up that. And... It's not that those things are bad, but the goal of Lent is not to be able to get to the end of the line and say, I did it. It's not what it's for. And as Catholics, we can get off track with things like that. The goal of Lent is conversion. The goal of Lent is returning to God. And those things are supposed to remind us to do that. Oh yeah, it's Friday, I, can't. I better just get a cheese pizza, you know? Better just make pasta with red sauce, you know, whatever. Why am I doing that? Oh yeah, it's Lent. I'm reminding myself, I'm, I'm, I'm negating something in my life intentionally to remind myself to grow closer to God. It's not about the chocolate. It's not about the meat. It could be anything. I mean, imagine growing up on an island. Lent isn't hard with the meat thing. They're all eating fish. They should probably give something else up. Oh, Father, Fridays are no problem. I just go for an all-you-can-eat shrimp fest. Great. That's the point. You know, that's, you're missing the point. <laughs> so, so, again, the, there are laws that ex- There is divine law, right? There's a big difference between the doctrine of the, the Blessed Trinity and eating meat or not on Friday during Lent. Right? There's a big difference with that. One is... Is a, is a discipline the church has determined, which is good for us to practice spiritually. But there's a whole lot of, lot of difference between that and denying the doctrine of the Trinity or something like that. But, you know, we do this all the time in the church, and we, we end up fighting about all kinds of things. And so here I want to make a few people uncomfortable um, intentionally. <laughs> Somebody asked me about last night's homily. They said, do you get anybody yelling at you? And I said, no, but just wait till today. I thought about some more ideas. So um, one of the things that can happen about opinions, um, for instance, you know, some people really like the bells at Mass. You know, they like them at the elevations and the, the epiclesis. And there's nothing wrong with the bells. When I was up north, I had three churches, and one used the bells, the other one didn't use the bells, and the other one did when the server showed up, and it was just all over the place. And the bells, there's nothing wrong with the bells, nothing at all. Do you know why the bells exist, though? The bells existed because back in the Middle Ages, people had no clue what was going on, 
And then when they'd be in a big cathedral, there'd be all these individual masses going on. And when they rang the bells, the people could turn and give reverence to the Eucharist. It was like, hey, look over here now. Hey, look over here now. Now, I'm not saying the bells are bad, but it's not too hard to tell where we should be looking in the Mass, right? And it's okay to still like them, but it's okay to say we're not going to use them. And we shouldn't have to fight about that. There's another thing. People have the, the right, although with a pandemic it's a little different, but people have the right to receive communion on the tongue or in the hand. And, it, you know, it's fine, whichever way, as long as you brush your teeth. Um, <laughs> I've been bitten before, just so you know. <laughs> I have, two times I've been bit. They're not doing it right. Um, well, Father, you're not doing it right. Okay, fair enough, maybe. How long do you got to hold your fingers in my mouth, you know? People will say, well, Father, I, I don't want to receive in the hand because my hands aren't consecrated. And I don't want to receive from a layperson because their hands aren't consecrated. And I'll say, well, is your tongue consecrated? <laughs> you know, how far do we take it? And it's not the point. It's not the point. That's not the point. Now, I realize there's some old-timey Catholic church stuff that says that, but that's not the point. There was a time in the church, actually even in the Middle Ages, where people stopped receiving communion for a long time because the church was pushing so much that people were unworthy. This is one of the reasons they began to start receiving on the tongue. At the Last Supper, do you think they received on the tongue? Do you think the Last Supper was said in Latin? Can you like Latin? Sure. Sure. Can you like Mass with the priest, I guess, having his back to you? I, I guess you can. But it's an opinion. It's not a truth thing. When I was in Rome, I, I always said Mass to the wall because nobody else was with me. It would have been weird. The Lord be with you. There's no one there. Um, because we would say Mass alone. Or when you went to St. Peter's, most of the altars are against the wall. It's just how it is. And the big altars that aren't against the wall, they don't let you say, not a priest. I don't get to say Mass at those altars. That's where the Pope says Mass. So I say Mass at, at the little, you know, the little very ornate side altar at St. Peter's, but, you know, against the wall because that's just how it is. Preferring it, well, okay, fine. You want to prefer it. You prefer Gregorian chant, 6th century music, fine. Nothing wrong with it. Palestrina, Mozart. That's fine, but it's preference. And so my point is, as a church, we often elevate preference or opinion to a level that it shouldn't be. Namely, we assert it as though it's truth, and it's not. And these things cause division when they don't have to. If, we're just, if we look at what we're really saying, I like this, that's great. I do too. I like this or I like that or, you know, etc. But what we like or what we prefer is different from what is true for everyone. The Trinity, the real presence, etc. And then lastly, lastly my, my last point. And what have we learned so far, right? Sergeant Peppers, early Neil Diamond, and physical graffiti. <laughs> but my last point is this that um, 
James tells us to be doers of the word, that that's the kind of faith God wants. Not just, you know, hearing God's word and then not allowing it to actually penetrate us and change how we act and live. That if our faith is truly alive, it changes how we act. It changes who we are. It transforms us into people who are more like Jesus. That's what he's after. And if any of the external things assist us in that, good. If they're not assisting us, then there's something that's off base within our own spirituality. But we have to remember what is primary and what is most important, that the Lord truly wants us transformed into people just like him as much as we can. Please stand.